Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to the Glovers Cast. I'm Ian and today I'm joined by Ben and Dave. Good evening, gentlemen. Not an early one today. No, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Doing all right. Thank you. Good. Good. Well, um, this episode's a bit of a good one. Um, ben, this morning you've spoken to uh, your man crush, Mr. Josh Staunton. Absolutely um, correct. Yes. <laughs> firstly, firstly, a huge thank you to whoever organized it for 9am. That was one of you two. That was bright and early, bright and breezy. Yeah. Cheers for that. And fair play. Fair play to a footballer. Happy to be up at nine o'clock to what to, to chat. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think many people would have thought that. <laughs> On the day after a game as well. Yeah, no less. So, to be yeah. fair, to be fair, Ian's uh, Ian's alternative was to uh, prepare to chase his little lad around a birthday party, and mine was to have a cotton bud stuck up my nose. So we <laughs> we didn't exactly get the uh, the long straw here, did we? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I think yeah. <laughs> um, how was the chat? How was Mister Mister Staunton? Everything I dreamed of and more. I think the uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, he's 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 a different different type of footballer in and I hate to sort of pigeonhole all footballers together, but they come across with a certain level of um, um, stereotype, shall we say, but Josh doesn't quite feel like that. He was so open, so honest about 
himself and his injury injuries plural last season um really fascinating i think a few uh yeovil fans will be shocked when they hear how serious things got in that injury for him and how actually he has a mindset that's all about making the best of these situations and to to talk about his his i don't know mental strength at times through some pretty horrific times and how um how people at the club, Darren Sile, Terry Skivert, and he calls out directly, really helped him through and really got him back to a position where he felt like he was able to give the the club everything he could possibly give last season and still be involved this season from the start. So, yeah, really good, really honest, really open. And he's really excited about this season. It's And that sort of, I really hope that that rubs off on, on Yeovil fans because it's very easy to go, yeah, but we only beat Stratford and yeah, we haven't got a striker and Forest Green beat us and we've missed a few chances. But if someone on the inside is genuinely excited and I believe that excitement, I hope that rubs off because, yeah, that's um, that's made me a little bit more excited for, for Wrexham, if nothing else. I'm going to say it's rubbed off on you, isn't it? You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's got his route planned already. Leads to Wrexham. He's got it sorted. <laughs> I offered to go via Preston to get you, Dave, but you weren't interested. You, you didn't did. Yeah, that's a long way out of your way, mate. Not not quite Preston to Leeds to Watford, but it's, it's not <laughs> bad, yeah. Don't say I didn't offer, though. <laughs> so we'll have that chat with uh, Josh Staunton later in the episode, but first, should we talk about Forest Green? You, you, you tell us. You were the you were the man who was there. I had the pleasure of the Three Valleys radio uh, commentary, so uh, I'll take your I'll take your view on it. Yeah, it was it was an interesting game in that we never really looked massively under pressure. In in my view, the the, the goal they scored was a uh, you know it was just that moment in defence where a little bit of concentration, the guy snuck in front of um, I think it was Max Hunt and sort of side footed it in the corner. But other than that, they didn't really force many issues for us. Um, the main issues were when. Um, Grant Smith trying to take goal kicks, you know, the playing out the back, playing it short. Didn't seem overly comfortable with that um, strategy, whether the players in front of him weren't so comfortable either. I think there was a couple of episodes with um, the trialist, Harlane, we named him. So, yeah, Mr. Mbio. Um, but other than that, you know, we, we, we looked all right on the ball. Charlie Wakefield was fantastic, just running all game uh, he took a little bit of time to get into it I didn't think he was overly strong at the start but once he got a couple of those runs in him and he thought I can get something out of this fullback here he was up for it really up for it um yeah it was it was it was a good game and considering Forest Green start in the league next Saturday we were their last friendly of pre-season and that was our second friendly of pre-season I think we gave him a hell of a game and but for a you know, but for a couple of offsides and Ruben Reed missing a, a sitter, <laughs> um, yeah, it could have been. You know, a, a sitter, singular, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the the one over the bar was that was the big sitter, okay. and that was sort of Wilkinson went in on the keeper, but sort of pulled out at the last minute, and the keeper thought he was gonna go through him, so the keeper spilled it, and Reed it was just at his mercy, yeah. he skied it. Um, yeah. 
He could have had three, couldn't he? I say listening to the commentary, they said he could have had could have had three on another day. Yeah, so I mean, there was one where he just caught the ball and then kicked it in. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good finish. It it was sort of crossed in, and you know, he goes to bring it in on his chest, but just catches it like a goalkeeper. (laughs) Swiveled and smashed it in the bottom corner. It was a nice finish, but not really regulation. And the the back post chance. So Gorman, Del Gorman delivered loads of brilliant crosses and free kicks. Actually, looks good on the set pieces. Gets that sort of that pace that Lawson Diaz does when he whip, was whipping in corners, um, and it skimmed off Staunton's head. And Reed was right there on the back post, and it was sort of came at him quite quick and just rolled down the shin um, into the side netting. And then there was the offside. The offside one as well after my boy Tom Knowles had a classic shot from the outside the box and the keeper palmed it into Reed's feet. He, he put it in, but it was offside. Nah. <laughs> I mean, I'm you know, Dave, I know you don't like him. <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I, I mean, he's got, he's got to score some goals this season, he? Because, he does. Uh, because he does. Ben, ben stuck a... Stuck a what was it a, a, a grand on him and now was it or <laughs> one pound each way yes one pound each way yeah to be top scorer to in the national league yeah. there you go please gamble um, responsibly over 18s only <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, trialists because we saw Deshane Dalling again and uh, and obviously the burgeoning cult hero that is Harlan and Bayo <laughs> yeah I mean they, then... had, they had twenty minutes oh um, is it Tom or Jack. It, it, it depends what part of the article you read. <laughs> they both say Jack now. Okay. Yeah. I do. I do have an excuse, but it's a really weird one, so I won't. Uh, I won't uh, bore you with it. Yeah. So let's start with. I'll start with Dawling, Dalling, Deshane. He he came on and was sort of close to Quigley. Uh, got a few touches of the ball, a couple of nice little double drag backs and pirouettes and these sort of things. Never really got. It looks like the type of player who wants a bit of space in front of him to run with it. And he never really had that opportunity. He was closed down quite a lot. And, you know, I don't think he had the chance really to impress his game upon the other team so much. Um, And Bio was, he looked quite comfortable, I thought. He was organised and he was shouting. He had a couple of headers, one against their big striker who scored the goal. Something Matt. Jamil Matt. Jamil, yeah. yeah. Camille, I nearly called him. Um, yeah, Jamil Matt. <laughs> and yeah, he was, he, I thought he handled himself quite well. He doesn't look like a ball player, a ball playing type of centre back, more of a, um, it's a touch of like the Bevis, Bevis Mugabe about him that, you know, let's get, get rid of this ball. Um, but physical player, big player, and seem to want to organize as well so i thought he was pretty good um what's the guy's name jack boddenham boddingham boddenham 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 that's discovered by ben barrett thank you i appreciate <laughs> do not that. do not do not question anyone else behind him it was all ben can i tell yeah. you how we got that can i tell you how my the Go extent on. of my i, I, I want to know because i was trying all afternoon left backs called jack and i so, couldn't find anyone our eyes on the prize at the game on the other side of the pitch. Uh, shout out Chris Fox. It's the second shout out he's had in two weeks now. We'll be getting big for his boots as old Foxy. Um, but basically, he said they're calling him Jack. And so that's when I relate to, the, to you guys. I think we might be on for a name, a guy called Jack. And I found during the summer a list 
somebody had compiled a list of every single player, first team or youth team that had been released from their parent club. So I literally control F found the word Jack and went down and then individually Googled each one from Premier League down. And I'm just very glad he came from Cardiff halfway up quite near the top of the championship. Cause if he came from the bottom of league two, it would have taken me a darn sight longer. Not Walsall. Yeah. Yeah. If he'd come from Walsall or Woking or something, I'd have been knackered. Well, it was impressive, impressive research. I have to say. I, and I, I did a bit of research on him. He was given a very big, um, a very big shout out by Sol Bamba, who was Cardiff captain with him, basically. And there was an interview talking about Cardiff's next generation or whatever. And he was the one. He said, if any of them are going to make the first team from this current crop of under 23s, it was Jack Bondham. And then he was released that summer. Well, that summer, this summer <laughs> just gone. So, I mean, you know, the, the different people's opinions are, are different, obviously. But if his coach didn't think so, Sol Bamba thinks he was, he's got a chance of making the first team of a of a half decent Cardiff side. So I'm a tiny bit, tiny bit surprised to see him drop down this far. He was on trial at Hereford last week, week before where he'd been previously on loan. And I wonder if he's just kind of thought, well, that's not quite gone for me, but just down the road, I'll, I'll have a crack at Yeovil and it's been organized for him to come down here. So he comes in with a decent pedigree and we are, we are lacking a left sider. Yeah. And I think, you know, competition for places is what makes players get better as well so I think if I'm Jordan Barnett and I've not got anyone there over my shoulder I might get a bit comfortable um, so I think it's important to have that depth if we can find it I, I mean in terms of he, he didn't have a lot to do won a couple of headers um, yeah it closed down a couple of crosses he handled himself but he wasn't overly tested and didn't really get forward. He wasn't a particularly, you know, this one, Ryan Dixon overlapping, whipping in crosses. This was a steady performance. And I, and I think, you know, that sort of, I thought that was a sign of how we played because it wasn't, we didn't play with a diamond. It was a flat four, four, two. And with Staunton and Gorman, you've got two centre midfielders in there who their first instinct is to defend really and keep the ball rather than, take any risks in my view so I thought you know if we if we're looking for another centre midfielder we want someone who's gonna get the ball forward I don't want Ed Upson but I'd like a player like Ed Upson maybe who's willing to take those risks um is that is that deliberate though is that part of the this new tactic of controlling games defensively of allowing the opposition to have the ball to put pressure on when we need to defensively but actually almost allow possession to go to the opposition, just try and control defensively. They're not going to get through us. We're not going to give away anything silly and then look to counter-attack with the guys that we've already got. Knowles's Wakefields and, and maybe Loney's down the line of a Josh Neufeld type. Maybe it is. I think the that we were set up that way. Um, I think we were probably set up that way because Forrest Green, uh, you know, they were in the playoffs last season and, they seem to be a team that like to have the ball and play the ball. So we knew we weren't going to win a possession battle against them so much. So I wonder if we, that was part of the plan. Um, and, you know, you, we didn't, we weren't overly counter-attacking. As soon as, the, you know, if the when we did have to defend any corners or set pieces and the keeper got the ball, it was very much slow it down and roll it out, play it out short rather than, there was, there was a couple of occasions when Knowles was on his bike and the keeper just didn't 
see it or look for it. It was all very slow it down and play it short. Um, I think if we're going to play that way, we we need another striker or two to complement Reed and Quigley because as a as a pair, I think I wouldn't be worried, but I think we need something. We definitely need something else up front to to support them because they're very similar. And Reed, Reed, I thought Reed had a good game. I mean, he didn't put the ball in the net, but he looks a lot fitter and was at the heart of a lot of things. He really was there, whereas Quigley was quite anonymous yesterday. He didn't win a lot of headers, had a couple of flick-ons, but he didn't get the ball down like we, when he was playing at his best last season. He was really good with the ball at his feet and getting it down. And he didn't really have that opportunity. But that might have been because he was up against... EFL defenders, you know, quality yeah. defenders. Um, going to say at Stratford the week before, he um, was was a bit different. Reed was the one who wasn't really. I mean, saying that Reed had one ruled out for offside at the beginning of that game, but then quickly looked a bit more lively out the two of them. But I agree with you. Reed looks a, a great deal fitter, um, and I think uh, I think if he can be more involved in, in in the game, then then that would be good. If he could be more involved and put the ball in and that, that would be even better. So, uh, well, of the two strikers, he was the only one who looked like he was going to be on the end of something yesterday. Yeah. So, I think that that is you know that is promising. That what he, did you say? He's getting in the right position. Yeah, the, it's football. a football. It's a <laughs> football manager when you've got a striker who hasn't you know has gone on a run of games without scoring. One of the press conference responses is he's uh getting in all the right positions and that's reassuring so <laughs> consider me reassured <laughs> there's there's always going to be some some social media panic when we've got this situation i think that was obvious for all to see and and will be for the next three weeks but in terms of when the actual panic button gets hit we've got three weeks it's three weeks today that we uh three weeks yesterday sorry three weeks saturday until we play Wrexham when do we go okay actually <laughs> we could do with somebody here because it's going to be a loan signing it's going to be one that we have to wait for we know that so when do we like I'm I'm not worried yet no I think I think it needs probably a few games into the season really you look at when we brought in Charlie Lee and Jimmy Smith and those sorts of players we, we we'd already started the season after they came in. Um, so I'm not overly not overly worried just yet. I, I think just from the game yesterday, I know it's not hard to tell from a preseason game, but just from what I saw yesterday, there's if we don't get any injuries, and I'm sure we'll come on to Mark Little, if we don't get injuries, if we are, you know, we're taking a more sports science approach and we saw the rubber bands, the rubber bands that Darren Sal hated so much in his first season. You'll never see my players with rubber bands. Well, you've gone back on your word there, Darren. <laughs> they were your sports scientist has taken control and maybe it is a, a good way to train. Um, so, yeah, if we can keep injury free, which was so bad last year, then. You know the squad looks squad looks okay, but I, I don't think you look at the Wrexham game. What pressure? There's no pressure on us going into play Wrexham with all the hype and money that they're spending and everything around them. Like you know, it's set up for us to spoil their their big day, isn't it? Absolutely, we've got to go there and be party poopers 
You can see the Netflix sign now. Wrexham slumped to a 4-0 defeat on the opening day of the season. <laughs> Fast forward and they can get promoted later on if they want. That's fine. But yeah, I've, you know, I've watched I've watched both episodes of uh, Sunderland Till I Die, both series. And I know how this script goes. They've got to be upset early doors. Otherwise, it's a rubbish. They can't go and win every game 9-0. It's no good. That right. won't sell. They've got to come back from defeat. Yeah, there needs to we be see Deadpool crying in America, don't we? That's what it is, <laughs> drinking aviation gin or whatever it is. Enough yeah. of the plugs. They get enough of that. Yeah. What What about Mark Little then? Did it Did it look like a bad one? I know the manager said afterwards it was when he was worried about and, and the player was worried about as well. It looked fairly innocuous. He was running with the ball. He sort of picked the ball up in the right back position and then came inside and ran in towards the centre circle and was just sort of a bit of a push from someone else. It, it, I don't know if he did it before he was pushed. There was like a shoulder barge coming together and he sort of stumbled over and straight away it was a bit of a worry. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he went, oh, he didn't go off on a stretcher. He was helped off. So I don't know if it's more muscle than bone. Was it a leg injury then, was it? Or I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, it was. it was his leg, yeah. It was, um, it was said that he needed an X-ray, though. That yeah, does suggest so, bone rather yeah. than an MRI or an ultrasound or anything. Maybe it's around his knee. I don't know. There's a few bones around the knee. There are. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, it was. He looked. He looked fairly steady as well. You know, he was organising. He was talking to um, Charlie Wakefield in front of him the whole time. But yeah, a bit of a worry. And you know, the, the Rovers fans have been the Bristol Rovers fans that is have been piping up on our social media today. Um, saying about his injury woes that he's had previously. So a bit of a concern because he's one of our marquee signings. One, probably one of our higher paid players now as well. And, you know, we need, we need those on the pitch, especially given that he's a character, you know, he's one of these leaders we're told about. Um, And he was captain as well. So a bit of a shame, but at the same time, we've got Alex Bradley who can, fill that role as well so it's not total doom and gloom you just rather have them than not have them basically yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and i guess to perfectly segue into ben's interview how did just Thornton play yeah very vocal in the middle of the pit in the middle of the pitch um could have had a goal it just skimmed off the top of his head from a corner um yeah, he's just there. He sort of slowed things down in the middle. And when he's quite difficult to get around as well, he's such a big frame and a large unit that their midfield didn't seem to get much joy out of him in the middle of the part. It was all very, let's go around the edges and around the side of the pitch. And then when they cut across and come inside, you had Wilco and Staunton and Max Hunt and... Um, Del Gorman there to to cut it out, but I thought you know it was nice to see. I think I only saw Josh Staunton play one game in person, so it was nice to see him out there. He's a big man, and he's I think he'll be important for us. And let's hope he doesn't get another injury, and he's ever present because we need we need him. I think. I agree. I again, I can only sing his praises after. Hearing after doing the interview that I'm hopeful that you guys are, are going to listen to as Glover's cast listeners, but 
if we are successful this season, if whatever that success looks like happens, I'll put considerable amounts of my hard-earned, my earned money that he will have been a part of it. <laughs> more than one pound each way. Considerably more. Yes. <laughs> what are you putting on him? Uh, whatever. Honestly, it, it, that's what I mean. If if we if we're successful, I reckon he is a big big part of it. I really do. Yeah, I think you're right. You've set that up beautifully. Yeah. Should we go to it then? So up now it's. Uh... Ben's chat with Old Town future captain leader legend. Build the statue now. <laughs> Josh Staunton. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Cheers. Time for a very special guest now on the Glovers cast and something of a first as well. I'm delighted to say that uh, current Yeovil Town midfielder Josh Staunton joins us on the Glovers cast today. Josh, thank you so much for giving up your time today. Morning, mate. No, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. It's, it's bright and early on a Sunday morning. We're recording this just after the Forest Green Rovers friendly. Uh, thank you for making time in what's been a very busy pre-season schedule tell me what does a Darren Sahl pre-season look like I get the feeling it's a little bit more old school than others uh yes yeah, it's, it's tough it's a, a tough old gig we've done we've done I think two and a half weeks this season without without a game so we were able to do a lot more running and more old school stuff but it's it's never a bad thing to have that then miles in your legs and hopefully it'll pay dividends by the end of the season or come Christmas time Let's start as we mean to continue. Let's throw somebody under the bus. Who does not like the running? Which which team member are you going to throw under the bus here? Who's not who's not for the bleep test? You know what? We, this this season the, the boys are athletic. Like last year, Chaz used to hate the running. Charlie <laughs> hate the running. But um we've had it's probably one of the fittest groups I've ever been part of. Everyone's at a good standard in the run. I think the gaffers runs have been tough and everyone's done them to a good to a good level and to be honest, I would struggle to find someone who's actually really struggled. You're this far year. too polite you are, Josh. We don't <laughs> mind throwing people under the bus here. We really, really don't. Let's talk a little bit about the, the, the Forest Green Rovers friendly. Um, it was a 1-0 loss, but sort of results you take with an almighty pinch of salt in pre-season. Plenty of positives to take from it, created plenty of chances. Um, how did you feel the day went? You obviously got some more important minutes in the tank as well. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, we always knew Forest Green were going to try and play play loads of passes and we probably had to sacrifice that they were going to have more of the ball than us but um, the f initially in pre-season we've been working on a defensive shape because I think it's, it was clear for the gap of last season we were probably too open and conceding too many goals so we've started from the back and hopefully working our way forward and uh, we we've looked okay defensively I think obviously yes there was a different challenge and probably it's a bit different because the fans want us to run after the ball straight away, but we're trying to implement some sort of structure to go and press. And I think there were signs yesterday because they didn't really get it through us and didn't really, I mean, other than a sloppy goal, which is probably just a lapse in concentration, uh, they didn't actually open us up and we probably had the better chances. And uh, that's really, I don't know if the gaffer touched on it on his, in his interview, but that's really without implementing any attacking working training so hopefully in the next few weeks and we can if we can knit stuff together it should leave us in a good place for the, the season 
did it feel like Forest Green were just a bit further down the line? Their, their season starts in a week. We've got a little bit longer to wait. So they're further along the process. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. They're coming right to the back end of their pre-season. But in all honesty, on the pitch, I didn't feel like there was a massive difference in fitness, which is what you usually find when you're at different stages, like one of you gets run into the ground. Whereas we they had a lot of the ball, but I think the way we counter-attacked with like Charlie and Nosey, especially Charlie on that right wing, it was frightening, and that's a league. That's a League Two team, which is high up, and I think they come playoffs last year. Didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, and they didn't really fear us. And I think had we played that game in three weeks' time, and we were at the same level, it might have been more even possession-wise. It's just because of the mismatch of timing, probably. Let's let's rewind a little bit because when you joined last summer, you were the first signing of that sort of uh, of that summer for Darren Saar. We just obviously fallen short in the playoffs, but. But so would so would you at Halifax. You you played regularly 38, 40 games for Halifax. You were pretty much a stalwart for them. It was seen as something of a, as a bit of a coup. Darren Sahl spoke really, really highly of you in the immediate sort of aftermath of signing. You talked about your leadership, your experience, and that you that he fought tooth and nail in a questionable financial environment to get you. Why why Yeovil? Why not stay at Halifax? What what attracted you down here? Um, do you know what? I remember playing Halifax, uh, playing for Halifax against Oval in the game where it was at Hewish Park and uh, I think it was Gold got sent off. Probably. That's right, yes, yeah, it, it would have been. And I remember coming up, I remember finishing and the atmosphere was unbelievable. I, I texted my dad that night, I said, if there's one club I'm going to leave Halifax for in this league, it's them, it's Oval. Wow. And um, and he said, oh, well, how did you play? I said, I've done all right. I didn't, I didn't pull up any trees, but... And then when when Darren gave me a call in the summer, it was kind of like, wow, like, do you know I mean? It was exactly the way I thought it, I'd hoped it had panned out. So there was only one team in the league I was going to go from Halifax to, and it was Yeovil after the atmosphere and the way we played, they played against us in both games. So I was over the moon, obviously, when it came about, and it was just one of those things which happened to fall at my feet, really. <laughs> um, you made your debut in a in a strange environment. Um, one thing we've talked about on the on the Glover's cast a few times is that Darren Sahl hasn't had two normal pre-seasons his first one he had less than a month to scramble a squad together and then in the second one we didn't even know if we were going to kick a ball we didn't know what it was going to look like we didn't know if we were going to try and play a whole season we had no idea what was going to what was going to happen what was the behind closed doors environment like it must have been so strange to play in yeah I, I really I really didn't like it and as as much as you try and concentrate on what's in front of you when you're playing football, then, then, then the thoughts, which exactly you said, are always in the back of your mind somewhere. And you're thinking like, are oh, we going to get there? And it's easy to stand and say, I'll oh, just worry about playing, playing, playing. But when you're going out to a stadium and there's no one there and all it is is echoes going round, and it's hard to find any sort of adrenaline, which doesn't come from within. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're standing, when you're standing there and you're going out to warm up and there's thousands of people there, it's, it's a bit more of a drive in you because you think this is what it's about today. And personally, the thing I found was was the concentration was completely different. Yeah, there was no there was no time to switch off. Like I've tried to explain it. Like when you go up for a corner, obviously the fans are cheering because we've just been on attack. So you kind of that's your time to switch off and you're listening to the white noise of the stadium. But yeah. when there's nothing, you kind of just constantly thinking and mistakes which you made 20 minutes ago. Are still running through your brain now because there's nothing to take your, take your mind off it. 
I was I was lucky enough to be ironically at Halifax away, the third or fourth game in the yeah. in the league last season, doing a little bit of press work. And the one thing I noticed was there was sort of times when we were not necessarily under the cosh a little bit, but just taking a bit of pressure on. And I remember Charlie Lee, I think it was, he put in an almighty challenge just to stop a counter-attack. Perfectly clean tackle. It just yeah. went out for a throw-in. But it's the sort of challenge that you could almost have heard the away end, however small in number yeah. they would have been. They'd have really picked up. They'd have really given it a go for the next five minutes. And it might have just changed the momentum. And I, yeah. I, I, I seem to remember mentioning it to, to my colleagues who I was working with on that evening that this game, it, at times, it must be so difficult for the players to force their own spark of life yeah, yeah because yeah. that's what comes like e even if you do get a corner there's a cheer a come on a, a, the, the center backs come yeah. up and you you know i get that feeling it must have been so so strange yeah and that's what it was like you say that that switch in momentum can be like you've been under the caution and one of your wingers might take someone on three yeah past three players and it completely changes the, the atmosphere in the stadium whereas when there's not like that it's just kind of like groundhog day you just go out there and just Felt like a, it was like playing reserve football again, and it was it was definitely difficult when you've got in the habit of playing in front of fans. Obviously, it's no excuse, but it was just a different environment. Yeah, it almost almost training ground like at times. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. it was strange. It was very very strange in that Halifax game. I felt that Halifax actually did a very what's the word a very deliberate job. They had every staff member, every youth team player in the stand who was legally allowed to be there. They weren't yeah. breaking any rules. They were doing it all within within the realms, and they were they were there designed to try and make a bit of noise yeah, to try yeah. and make a bit of atmosphere just to try and replicate some of it. So it's um, yeah, very, 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 very strange. Um, when you, when you joined Jovel, um, it was a strange time on the pitch, strange time off the pitch. We started. Okay. Kingsland drew, but they had all the momentum of just getting promoted. Wilson yeah. again, drew, but again, I think one of them was on TV. It was a strange old environment. We were playing okay. You were in the yeah. side. We were doing all right. It felt like we were nearly there. Yeah. I think I mentioned on air after that Halifax game, I said, if we play like that over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to batter somebody. We're going to put six and seven past somebody. But it never quite happened. Was it, was it an overriding feeling of frustration? Yeah, I think like when you look back to the first two games, especially the Willstone, so Willstone, we played Kingsland, didn't we, on TV first? Yeah. And... I mean, we had a hor horrible decision there of the offside. That was the handball offside. It was both yeah. handball and offside, yeah. wasn't it? And he didn't yeah, give either. A, so we had a dodgy one there, which kind of puts you on the back foot. Yeah. Because you feel like you should have won and then you, did, you didn't. And then we played Wildstone and they got one of the harshest penalties I've ever seen when it, the ball went over the top from a free kick. Oh, yes. And I volleyed it at Charlie, which was argue, arguably off the pitch. And it hit Charlie's hand from about a yard away. And yeah. it's kind of like it's, it's it's getting that monkey off the back because we're over and we want to win, and you kind of like you, you then you go chasing a win. And you know, it's like in any walk of life, you go chasing something, it gets harder and harder and harder. Yeah, and more and more things seem to go against you. And and it was we went through a period that that first month and a, and a half where every time it dropped, it dropped straight at someone's feet. Yeah, you go through them in football, but usually it's like a week on, week off. So you get on, get away with it. Whereas we were just, and we were making silly mistakes ourselves. And I think the pressure of feeling, like, it's almost like the fans are there, but they're not there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah I know. Yeah. You've been watching, you kind of like, well, we need to win for them. We need to win for the fans. 
and you go chasing and there's nothing like so there's nothing in the stadium to drive you and it's a lonely lonely place when you're not doing well in a football stadium yeah. and it's empty it was strange because it was around that time that the injuries to the squad started kicking in Courtney Duffers at Halifax scored a wonderful goal but got injured in the process and and cost himself four or five weeks he'd scored a few goals he was leading the line quite nicely with Reese Murphy and it felt like nothing was just nothing was going to go our way. Courtney Duffers yeah. goes through, scores the goal. And then let's let, let's get it out of the way because it was only a couple of weeks after that against uh, Sutton, I think yeah, it yeah. was, that you got injured. You came off quite early on. I've got really, uh, my notes yeah. here, 37th minute. Yeah. What what was the injury and well, were you really concerned at the time? Well, yeah, I initially blocked a shot, but I kind of it kind of hit my the wrong foot. So okay. it hit my standing foot and it, it turned my ankle in, and I remember saying to the time, at the, uh, to the physio at the time, I feel like I broke my leg, like the pain was shooting up my shin. So obviously my ankle ballooned up, and um, so we went for scans and stuff, and it was it was ankle ligaments, and obviously the scan was just my ankle, and um, uh, I think I was out for about five and a half weeks, and we had the Stockport game coming up, so it was just a routine ankle injury at that point, and we had a but I remember saying to Martin, the physio, I said, I think, oh, I said, I feel like I broke my leg. I said, the pain is all the way up my shin at the time. But then obviously it settled down. So I'd obviously twisted something. And um, I played the Stockport game. Yeah, the uh, Cup. Uh, yeah, we had, an, I'd, we had a zone injection in my ankle to play the Stockport game on, on a Thursday. And I played on a Sunday without really training or anything. And about five minutes into that, I went to step off and my knee just felt like it exploded. So I mean, my knee just fell And um, it went to extra time. And I played I played all the way through the game. It went to extra time. We got on the coach on the way back. And by the time we got home, I couldn't move my knee. My knee was like a brick. It was really? huge. And it was like a brick. So I, and we had a game on a Monday. No, that was on a Sunday. We had a game on a Tuesday. Yeah. So I so we did, We were short on numbers anyway, as, as you remember, that type period of time. Yeah, yeah. So, I think the boys here carried me down the stairs on the Monday morning because I couldn't bend my leg. So we went and it in. still started on the Tuesday. Yeah, and we dosed me up with painkillers because we had no players. And painkillers and anti-inflammatories. And we thought we'd get through the game because then Wilco would be back. I think, it, no, I don't know if it was Wilco or someone else. Colo maybe. And we thought, and we and I thought I must have just twisted something. But I'd never seen a knee blow up like that. And and uh, played on the Tuesday some, somehow. And um, well, I was, I was as good as useless. I, I was, I had half a leg to stand on, and uh, it was one of the things. Every time the ball dropped to me, I felt uncomfortable myself. And looking back in hindsight, I should never have played, but I thought I could get through the game for the benefit of the team. But and then we went for a scan on Thursday, and it was as bad as it can be. Okay, <laughs> so was. knees, ankles, shins, everything, ligaments, um, just. No, it was my knees, my, my ankles were, were fine by that time. It was okay, it was my knee and it was, it was in a bad, bad way. Like they were questioning whether that was my scan. It was so bad. Wow. And, and there was a period of time where specialists were saying I'd never play football again. And wow, so there was actual threat to your entire career, let alone the season. My my next question was, did you know that was your season over? But you're sitting here saying that might have been career over. Yeah, there was there was a period of time. Once he one specialist, he gave me I think a twenty percent chance of running properly again wow so um so Jeez. there was a period of time where i thought that's me done do you know what i mean like 
and then I saw different specials and there was a bit more optimism and we were kind of like playing around with, well, no one, it was a very rare injury. I think I went to St. George's Park and um, I think they'd seen three in the whole time they'd been there. So I was unfortunate, but it's just one of them things, isn't it? It's one of them. One of the, I'm not sure it is one of them things. If only three of them have ever happened, no, I'm not no, sure no. it is. <laughs> no, I, think more. I think they'd only seen three in football or something, or three come back from it or something. So wow, there was a period of time where I was I was thinking I was on rock bottom. I thought, Jesus, this is this is the enemy. But and then something triggered inside me. I said, Look, this is is what it is. It's it's um it's a chance to come back better. And the different specialists gave me higher higher odds, and it changed my mindset and. He gave me something to, to, to push towards and, and it was a long old process. So did you have surgery? Did you have fairly major yeah, surgery? Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite major. It's, it's only keyhole that the routine was only keyhole, but in terms of sport and football, it was a, it's a major, major surgery. Yeah. That must've been quite a mindset though, to just suddenly accept that, okay, I'm going to just dust this down. It'll take time and, and get, get back. How, how do you get into that? mindset I, I don't I don't understand that's something I've never yeah. never come across yeah. I never used to I never I would, I would always have been negative about it and, and and I lost my best friend in in November to cancer the November before so yeah. just before Christmas 2020 and I and his his mindset was always like that he said it look, I can't change it I've got to I'll make the best of it and I thought why am I sitting here it's a knee at the end of the day people are fighting much harder battles than I am and wow I'll come back better for it. Whether whether I manage to play football again, whether I don't, I'll be the best version of me I can. And, and fortunately, I've worked hard in rehab and everything went touch wood. Everything went, there was a few setbacks on the way, but everything went as well as it could have done. And that's probably as much to everyone else's credit as well, because everyone at the club, all my family, all my friends were so supportive, all the boys, they got me through some tough old days. I remember I was, I was on crutches for, I mean, I didn't put my, my leg down for about 11 and a half weeks. Wow. So if you think never in your life, have you not walked for 11 and a half weeks and my leg was like an arm, my right leg was like an arm when I come back. And, and uh, obviously I remember seeing the surgeon the first day I walked and he said, you're going to be in pain tomorrow because like your muscles never no grown no grown adult will have not walked for 11 weeks and then walk again yeah exactly yeah that so is absolutely staggering my muscles were, were in pieces and i remember thinking god this is gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a long old road back but but it just get, it got better day by day and, and we got there in the end you mentioned you mentioned the lads rallying around you there um how how important was that? Because you were still fairly new, probably to the area, to the to the yeah, team, yeah. to the club, and yet they they all got around you and sort of helped. Were you physically at the club a lot, or was there a lot of days away and stuff? No, and... no, I had I had eleven I had eleven weeks at home with mum and dad because obviously I couldn't walk, so I couldn't be in Do a anything. House. <laughs> I couldn't be in a house trying to cook and you know, on crutches. So I spent eleven weeks with mum and dad. Who were unbelievable for me. They looked after me like I was a kid again. It was the first time probably in six years I've been at home. So, so it was unbelievable. It was it was a it was a weird weird transition to go back in time. But um, once I came back, I came back for good. Like for good, I didn't. I said to myself, I don't need any more days off now. I've had eleven weeks straight. 
I don't need any days off. And I was going to the club on Sundays, on Wednesdays. And I mean, I didn't have a day off until we come back to pre-season. Wow. And just, so, and just doing, just doing what in the early days? I mean, obviously um, you weren't playing football. You were just no, what helping around, sweeping up. In the early days, I was bending my leg. I used to do my rehab in the morning. So I'd be bending my leg, walking, standing on tiptoes. And obviously as every day that progressed. And then, I went to the away games with, I went to all the games with the boys and I'd be like, the gaffer and tail got me in on helping with set pieces and stuff to keep me involved. Oh, good. I'd sit on the dugout, in the dugout. So it was good. I, was, I felt, I felt part of it because that's, that's the hardest thing when you're out for a long time. Sometimes you, you, you become distant with a squad and you kind of train at different times. You train in different places. So you can go weeks without seeing anyone. Yeah. But they made sure to, to, to keep you involved and to keep yeah. you in touch. I mean, I, I felt a massive part of the squad and I hadn't kicked the ball in four months. Do you know what I mean? That's, and that's testament to the way that, that Darren and, and Terry man-managed you. Oh, unbelievable. Because there's so many managers who, when you're injured, you're basically part of the furniture. Yeah. And you're not even... Your opinion doesn't matter. Whereas the gaffer and tell, they, I felt just as big a member of the squad having not played than I did when I was playing, do you know what I mean? And it's, it's a crazy thought, really. That is absolutely mad. Um, you, you weren't the only injury last season. I'm sure it won't have passed you by. You must have had a little bit of company in the physio room. Have, have you ever known a season quite like that? We've mentioned Courtney Duffus, of course. Lawson Diaz, another one. I mean, everyone kind of had stints. Wilco had stints. Yeah. Dicko had stints. It was such a strange season off the pitch in terms, of, in terms of those injuries. What was it like, just a revolving door in the physio room? Yeah, to be, to be honest, I remember saying that me and the gaffer having a conversation about it and we just said, never seen anything like it. Like, usually you accept that you're going to get a little two-week injury someone. But, I mean, we were getting long, long injuries. We yeah. were getting three months every time someone got hit. And I don't know what, I don't know, because I, if it was like little one-weekers, I'd have said, oh, it might be because when the fans are there, you, you, don't, you forget about it. Whereas when you're standing in silence, you notice everything. But they weren't even like that. Every time someone got kicked, it was like it broke them. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen so many broken ribs and fractured, like Hunty fractured his face. Yeah, that was strange. That was strange. We just, that was an innocuous one that kind of, yeah. oh, and by the way, in the after match interview, Gaffer just drops, oh, and yeah, Max Hunt's out for three weeks. He's broken his face. He's broken his cheekbone. Yeah. What? Um, Hang on. <laughs> it was just one of them. It, it was It was one of them seasons and it felt like, Everything what could go against us was going against us. I mean, yeah. Wilco would come back, tear his calf again. Yeah. Laws came back, done his knee again. Yeah. And it was kind of like, what on earth is going wrong? And I was there. I was I was watching these boys work hard, desperate to get back, and just think, what is going on? Like it was cruel. It was a cruel, cruel season. It it felt like, it felt like at times, it almost felt like no matter how hard you you prepared, by the time Saturday or Tuesday rolled around, you could be preparing for a 4-4-2 and then suddenly you've got no centre-backs. Yeah. I mean, how, how difficult was it to get any kind of consistency? Darren Siles mentioned it a few times. You played like 30-something different combinations of a defensive back line. Albie went there, Charlie went there. We've had to pull loanies in. You've been yeah. in there. How, how difficult is it to work when you've got no consistency? Well, it's near on impossible, isn't it? You look at them teams will get promoted in, in any league and, yeah. or win titles. 90% of them, their, their back four is where they are. Yeah. That's where their platform to push on is. You look at Liverpool, the injuries they have and how much it unsettled them and the squad size them teams are working with. 
And like you say, it's like, I mean, I'd never seen anything like it when I played. We were, we'd be practicing something on Friday and someone go down injured. And you'd be yeah. like, oh my God, we've changed the whole, we've got to change everything on a Friday. We worked all week for it and we've now got to change it. And it's, it's no one's fault, but it just makes things even harder than they apparently already were when everything felt like it was just falling against us. But I think in times like that, you've got to try and drag the positive out of it and it turned young boys into men early. That's and it. like yeah. I look at players like Bradders and he's a different player now to when he signed. He's a much more senior head on him than when he first signed. So sometimes you have to take the rough with the smooth. And I think the growth that certain players, Nolsey, et cetera, would have taken from that season is it will will be worth it in the long haul. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it helps us. It will put us in a better position this season. I hope so. There was there was COVID breaks as well. There was sort of two weeks. There was periods of isolation. It just seemed like nothing could kind of go yeah. right and nothing kind of... And there's no chance of getting any momentum. One, one sure. thing I completely forget is we didn't actually play in the FA Trophy. We had to call it off. It was... It was yeah. such a strange one. To get any kind of swing going, any kind of momentum going, was, was now an impossible last season. And you just have to kind of write it off to you, I guess. Yeah, there was just no rhythm to the season. I remember the yeah. boys saying it like, and I don't know if that contributes injuries because your body gets in a habit of playing every Saturday. Yeah. And when you suddenly take that away from it, you train you train differently because you don't know the game in two weeks. So the stress it puts on your body is, is completely different. And... I think, I think I don't think I don't think I personally wouldn't like to write off because we learnt a lot about ourselves and there will be lessons there which will help us so many times throughout this season. I think to write it off completely would be wrong because there were some good patches, yeah, and and the bad patches. As long as we've learnt from them now, there's we can't go back and change them. I know fans will be angry, but there's nothing we can do now to make last season any better than it was. All we can try and do is focus on this season. I think. That's the mentality we've got to have, all of us as a, as a, as a unit. I'm going, to, I'm going to touch on next season, um, but it would be remiss of me not to ask about um, the, the horrible moment of last season that, of course, has, has rocked us all and the incredibly tragic passing of Lee on, on top of everything. Um, this is the first chance that any of us here at the Glovers cast have had to sort of speak to anybody on the inside. We've just kind of looked from the outside and seen the output and everything's been dealt with with such class. And just from my personal side of things i just want to say thank you for being so um classy about it all for being so incredibly humble about it all is it possible to put it into words how how hard and how difficult that period was for the um, for, for the squad is, is it even possible to discuss um, to be honest it's probably one of the most surreal things i've ever come across in football like it even gives me goosebumps just thinking about it now yeah. and uh the the fans were an absolute credit to the club do you know yep. what i mean like they made life 10 times easier for us than it was. And there was boys in that dressing room who were broken. And, yeah. and the way the whole community rallied around each other, there was no, there was, there was blurred lines. I remember there was like fans outside and there was no, there was no, everyone just came as one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than we can't talk to him, they can't talk to us kind of thing. It was the most, touching time I've ever had in football for obviously a tragic reason but it shows you it gives you hope and says this is what we could be this is yeah this is where we are and and it made me so proud to be part of Yeovil and I think I speak on behalf of a lot of the players in the change room who, who would say exactly the same 
it made us proud to be part of this community and it gives you that extra fire in your belly and say to say thank you and we'll do it for you and we'll do it for Colo and I think it gave us I think obviously the end of last season was too soon for us to, to try and think oh let's do it put it right because it was still so raw but I think mm. now we look back and I think everyone's completely grateful for the honour everyone showed us and from top to bottom I think it was it was well handled from the club well handled from the gaffer well handled from the fans and it protected us players no ends and it was it was the most important probably the most important period of my career where I've learned so much about myself and how to deal with adversity and other other people thank you that's that's incredibly honest of you and I genuinely genuinely appreciate it and like I say genuinely the way that Darren Saul spoke about things in the in the in the public and and dealt with things and the, and the classy little acts that we've done along the way genuinely humbly proud to be a Yeovil Town supporter yet again and it did give us yeah, if, there is, if there is if there is a there is a tiny little silver lining to the darkest of dark clouds it gave us a couple of, of moments at the back end of the season the Boreham Wood game Tom Knowles goal and then obviously the final day which was a bit of a celebration um, yeah. I, I couldn't be there for, for either geographically I live the best part of 300 miles away um, oh. tell me tell me what those those days were like I saw you there on the stream you had the shirts on what was that? What was that? Tom Knowles' goal like for the club? That must have been such a, a moment, a line in the sand moment. Yeah, that that goal from Knowles, it was like I don't know. It it honestly transcends transcends football. Them sort of feelings. I it kind of I I I honestly have no words for it. It's kind of like someone. It's, it felt like a weight had just been lifted. Off. Wow. Yeah. And and I don't know how a goal can do that because it. Is irrelevant in the grand scheme of life it's yep. absolutely irrelevant and i think things like that put that into perspective for you and and you kind of when you step away from football you go it's only a game yeah again there's more important things out here than the football but it showed us that football had the ability to bring us all together and that we could find highs again do you know what i mean as a club yeah yeah we can, that, yeah we can smile we can smile we can smile through the darkest times and and that goal was like I've just never seen anything like it. It was like I could people people were crying. Do you know what I mean? Like it was yeah. nothing about football. That goal meant nothing about football. It was, it was like a strength of of our group. It was a strength of the community. It was like that you can come back. That you can yeah, come back and yeah, and yeah. just and just get back to playing football. Just get back to doing what you guys do best. Yeah, yeah. That you. That it's just sort of a, almost a a, re, a reaffirmation that you can continue i don't think anybody anybody would have batted an eyelid if we'd have just said no we're done we're done for the season we'll see you in we'll see you in august uh, yeah. nobody would have batted an eyelid but to show the strength of character to even be out on that pitch honestly it, st yeah. it still baffles me to this day so genuinely thank you so much and that final day let's just have a quick word on that final day before we start looking forward um what what a wonderful day the sun was shining the stands were full or nearly full um yeah. And just how nice was it just to have a bit of a moment to say, it's over, the season's yeah. done, thank you, let's move on, let's try and move yeah. forward. It was, it was, it was a beautiful day, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, Colo's little girls were there, it was amazing, yeah. It put everything, all the horrors of the season, even like performance wise and score wise, completely into perspective. And it was like, at the end of the day, People 
no, we're we're all unhappy with how we performed all season, but at least we were there to see it. Do you know what I mean? And it kind of thought at least we're waking up tomorrow morning and and seeing them little girls run around that pitch it was heartbreaking. It was probably the first time I've ever cried on a football pitch. And I thought I stood on side. I just thought this is just too much. Like this is this is mad. And I and I wasn't alone like that. But it was nice. It was it was lovely the way the fans. I remember, was it, I think it was the fourth minute, wasn't it? Everyone clapped and it was yeah. kind of like... Almost, almost spontaneously, wasn't it? And yeah. that, same with the Boreham Wood game. Yeah, it was yeah. just a spontaneous yeah. moment. No one had kind of announced it. Yeah. It just kind of happened and it felt... Uh, one of my Glover's cast colleagues, Ian, was there and he said it was just... It was a moment that he couldn't... He couldn't control the emotions. It was just too yeah. Yeah. too special. I think it. I think that and uh, Colo's little girl scoring a penalty past Darren yeah. Saar one moment of the season in our end of season awards because it was just... Yeah. It was just one of those magic little moments. No, it was it was it was a lovely day, and it was it was needed because it was kind of like one last hurrah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This is this is your you, us saying goodbye, and we'll never forget him. But we need to move on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? We need to make a step in the right direction because we can't have a we couldn't have we didn't need to have a permanent grey cloud over us. No. We didn't need to do that. We that's not what Colo was about. That's not what we're about as a group. And it was kind of like that was the release of everything. Everything went out on that day and we were in a much better position. Even when we walked in the dressing room afterwards, it was kind of like, boys, we've done it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and it was a proud moment for everyone, I think, especially the players, all the fans, all the, all the staff of the club, because it had been a turbulent 12 months, nine months, not even just a turbulent yeah. three, two months. It had been a rocky rocky nine months and it was nice to see everyone looking at pointing in the same pulling everything in the same direction it was it was a beautiful day to be fair thank you for letting me take you back there apologies that it's uh it's obviously uh, still a bit rough but let's let's look a little bit more forward now let's look a little bit more um towards yeah. the season just coming we're underway in pre-season first things first you're back you're 100 percent fit you've started a couple of games you haven't missed a day of training anything like that you are good ready to go yeah, yeah, I'm flying, mate. To be fair, I was in all summer. Me and Tell were in all summer, doing sessions and making sure that come the eighth of July when we come back, I'll be ready to hit the ground running. And everything's gone to plan. And my minutes are being minutes are being managed. And I don't know how, I don't know what the plan will be for Tuesday yet. But it'll be my first Saturday, Tuesday, so it'll be a different test and one I'm looking forward to. And hopefully. There'll be absolutely no problems as there has been all through through preseason. We lost a few big names this summer. Um, Carl Dickinson, uh, Jimmy Smith, um, Charlie Lee have all departed for for perfectly good footballing reasons and just to to move on. Their time had come, and it it hadn't escaped me that a few things you wrote on social media. And I'm sorry for pulling these up, but I do want to get these quotes right. Um, you said it's now down to us to pick up the torch and finish what they, Charlie Lee, Jimmy and Darl Dickinson, started in bringing success back to the club. This year has been a whole lot harder or would have been a whole lot harder without you. Um, those are those are strong words. Those are leadership words. Those are the words that Darren Starr maybe alluded to right back when he signed you. What does what does taking the torch on mean? How does that look in, in, in the current uh, context? Them boys were key figures throughout the squad. Do you know what I mean? It was like yeah. even just around the place and 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 they're huge characters to re- to to replace and they laid the foundations for us to to push on. 
and although it didn't work last season, they've embedded things in the in the club and and the players who have been here last season. That it's now time for other people to step up and and be them characters because it's football, it's a revolving door of players, and and it's now time that we we re, we lean on other players and get different ideas and hear different voices and and it's a, it's a, an important time for for a club when you go through that transition of losing senior players, but everyone starts somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So it's now time for other players to step up, fill them boots and and be, become them senior senior voices. Obviously, we've signed Mark Little. We've still got Luke Wilkinson, uh, Ruben Reed. obviously plenty of games between them. But that has bumped you up the seniority list quite a long way. Are you looking to take a, a role within the midfield? Is is captaincy something you're, you're interested in, things like that? Or do you want to take on that physical leadership of the squad? Yeah, I think I think to be honest, I've always been the same. Even when I was 20, 20 playing in this league, I was I was a leader in 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 terms of what I've done on the pitch and off it. It doesn't. I think it's probably more of a character character trait you you have, isn't it? Rather than I don't think age particularly. It does some people age doesn't make a great deal. If you've got that ability to demand things off a group, you've got you've got that ability. You can have it. I've seen eighteen year olds with it, and I, and I, yeah. you know what I mean. So. Um, I'd love to be captain one day. I think probably way preseason's gone. Litz will be captain, and he's a, he's a he's an unbelievable captain because he's good around the dressing room. He's very very clearly spoken and, and, and well spoken. And and but in all honesty, it doesn't make it would make a single bit of difference to me. It'd be a huge huge honour to be captain of Oval. But in the grand scheme of life, it's not going to change how I play. It's not going to change my mindset going out there on a Saturday. I'll still do exactly the same if I if I were to be wearing an armband or not. So. It's no at the time I'm at in my career, especially after having a long injury. It's not. It wasn't at the forefront forefront of my mind. It would have been a lovely bonus, but <laughs> but um, it's not something I'm going to be be crying about. With with plenty of players going out, it means that plenty of players have come in. How are the newbies? How are they settling in? Are they all are they all undergoing their uh, their new lads uh, rituals? Have they all done the singing in front of the boys and stuff like that yet? No, we haven't had any singing yet. We say that for the first. Overnight, so that would oh, okay. be Wrexham away. We'll have a few singers, and we'll spread it out throughout the first few weeks. But um, the boys are settled in well, so it's it's a good group. I think a lot, a lot. The dynamics completely different to last year. Um, there's a there's a lot of athletes in the group, like some frightening runners. Couldn't believe it on the first few days back. There are some real, real athletes, and everyone who's come in has complimented someone else in the group, and it's the the whole feel of the place is is really, really nice. And uh, I think as we gel more and more, there's no reason why we can't have a really exciting season. I, I know for sure I'm very, very excited. I've looked at the players coming in and I've thought this is moving in the right direction. There might not be, like you say, we're not, they're not massive names. Like we haven't got any, we've lost a few massive names and we probably haven't replaced them with huge senior players by lips, but we've got boys who are hungry to do well and they've got that desire to, to, take the club back to where it can't want, uh, wants to be for their own reasons and for the club's reasons. And we've seen with Sutton, you don't need massive names. You, yeah, need, true. you need 20 boys, everyone pulling in the same direction. That's all you need. 
let me let me just call you call you out on a couple of the quotes that from the new lads actually because they've all come in and they've all been very very bold about saying it mark little came in and said i've got one more promotion in me i've come to the oval to do it dale gorman said to i think the, his, his outgoing interview with glenn Torum was i'm going to england to get promoted um charlie wakefield said i see my future in the football league and i want to take you over with me there is a very clear and they're not afraid to say the p word and promotion and and whatever else is it something that you've talked about as a group that actually you are going to go big this year, despite the fact that Wrexham are spending way too much money, that Stockport are splashing cash around? Only two can go up, but you guys, you genuinely think you're going to be in there, don't you? Yeah, 100%. I think if we went into the season without saying that, I think a club of this stature should be worried. Do you know what I mean? If we were saying, oh, we're going to settle. I mean, even things like we've we've spoke a few of the senior, more senior boys and we said, we don't, this is these are, we've set ourselves our targets and and our targets are clear. Do you know what I mean? We we haven't come here to be part of the league for a long time. We're we're all massively disappointed last season, and it's now time to put it right. And we've got a fresh group of players with with no. And sometimes, especially after what happened last year, you need you need a refresh. Yeah, because you need new characters around the dressing room who have got nothing, no association with the club. And the boys are clear. We've all been clear. We we didn't we have we're not we don't want to go through the motions this season. We there's no reason why we can't fight with the big boys. At the end of the day, money money's money. But if you have a good dressing room, that's irreplaceable. That's 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 a nice line. That's the headline for this podcast, by the way. I'm I'm, I'm keeping that one. I'm scribbling that one down. Um, that's that's great to. I do. I love that. That's that's kind of attitude that I think being a Yeovil supporter for time and time again. Look back to our successful seasons, uh, 2013, obviously the, the season we won playoffs from League One. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any cash. We just had a unit that would not be beaten and would not be broken up and would not be defeated. 2007, we made the League One playoff final. Again, we won it with with basically a couple of old heads at the back and some experience up top in Marcus Stewart. And that was it. It was kids all around that. So to hear that you you feel like we're touching on sort of having that that unit again, I think is really, really exciting. One thing I think the gaffer has spoke about that's been fairly obvious this this preseason and something you've you've touched on actually earlier on in our chat that we're going to be playing slightly differently. And he's talked about being more controlled. You talked about getting the defensive side set first. Just so I understand a little bit more, basically, are we just going to try and go and make every game played our pace we're going to be the ones that dictate games or is it how how do you see this being slightly different this season my personal view is i think we will be a lot more structured off the ball okay chasing around we might concede possession a little bit more i think i think the first two games of preseason have been probably too over exaggerated i think we've focused so much defensively on our structure that we've let the other team have more of the ball than we would do in in a proper game that's my that's my thoughts at the moment, but we've been so gaffers drilling into us where we want to be because at the end of the day, if you keep a clean sheet, you can't lose a game. Yeah. And <laughs> when you've got players like Nolsey and Charlie, teams will be terrified of being counterattacked. So if you go away from home and you're solid, hard to beat, teams aren't passing through, aren't creating chances, and you've got pace on the wings will cause a lot of teams in this in this league trouble. But once we get into our flow attacking and we get more and more of the ball, it'll be a completely different look to what we've we've been before because 
the overall always in your face, ratting, pressing. Whereas I think we want to have a bit more structure to us and, and be more patient and controlled and pick and choose when, when we go. And when we go, we go properly rather than just going on your own and getting picked off and turn around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's nobody there to support you. So where, where, where do you fit in that then? You're someone who's played for us, even in those few games last season, you played in the back three, you played in the back two, you played as a holder in a diamond, you played in the flat four. Where do you fit in that? Because it sounds to me like someone of your calibre and of your, your ilk and tactical nous almost, feels like you're going to be quite important in that. Um, I'll play wherever the gaffer puts me. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a fortunate thing. I can fill a lot of holes. My, we always talked about the gap, me and the gaffer. The main thing when I come here, I was a midfielder. Yeah. Unfortunately, last season, for reasons outside of my control, I had to play, keep playing centre back. But I think when you have, I think I'll, I, I, I hope to be an important player in the player this season. I was in in the two seasons at Halifax. I was an important player at Halifax. So there's no reason why I'd want to suddenly come back, it come down, and and just be. And nothing like a player who doesn't influence things. I, I hope, I really hope the gaffer sees me as an important player, and I hope throughout the season I'll prove to be a very important player because I know I can add things to this team, and I think I hopefully I'll make the team a better team, even if it sometimes goes unnoticed uh, than, than than not being in it. It's it's a it's a fairly packed midfield. I think our midfield sort of centrally is kind of set. Yourself, uh, Matty Worthington, obviously signed on for a new year, and then the new lads, uh, Dale Gorman and uh, Lewis Simper, coming in on loan. Um, you're probably the most senior of that quartet. Worthy's obviously the most experienced in terms of a Yeovil uh, standpoint. Yeah. He is on the verge of I think a hundred Yeovil games or something himself. So again, do you think you're if the season started tomorrow, you'd you'd hopefully start and you'd hopefully be a part of that. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to. I hope I would be. Um, yeah, you've started I, the first two preseason games, is yeah, what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think I think the gaffer trusts me, and and, and I'm, I'm try I try my best to implement what he's what he puts across. So, and I think the other boys we all complement each other nicely. I think Gorms and and. Um, Gorms and Worthy are, are very, very good ratters. I mean, the way they cover ground around the pitch is yeah. unbelievable. And uh, Lewis is a very, very tidy footballer and you've got a lovely left foot. And um, I think there's a nice balance in there. It's not all just one type of player. And uh, I think there's, there's, I think all of us will have a big part to play throughout the season. Of course, yeah, you'll need a squad, especially in a, in a squad that's maybe a little bit smaller than the yeah. average Everyone yeah. needs to kind of chip in and do a little bit. Chances are Lewis will find himself out on the wing on a couple of occasions yeah. or Knowles will end up up top and you'll probably have some time at centre-back and stuff like yeah. that. So it feels like there's a lot of flexibility in the squad. It's something that yeah. we saw almost forcibly last season, but it does feel like we have a few different options if we needed to play a different way. Is yeah. that something that's going to stand us in good stead? Oh, 100% because there'll be times at the season where things will get rocky and it's not going to be clean, plain sailing. We're not going to go a whole season without injuries. and if you've got plenty of strings to your bow, we'll be in a much better place if we can just flip things like that rather than having to bring new players in constantly to fill gaps. And like you say, there's plenty of players who can do it and and I'm really excited for it. So yesterday, I think, that Forest Green Rovers game, well, that would have been the first time you'd have actually played in front of fans, wouldn't it? For, um, for the Oval? At home, at Hewish? You know what? I think I had one pre-season last year. 
Oh, did, of course, yeah, maybe. I scored. <laughs> I scored. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a Tuesday night game in pre-season, which was my first time in front of Yeovil fans. And at the time, I don't think we were allowed full capacity. We were on like a trial run. Oh, I think you might be right. Yeah, because I remember there was a there was a couple of games, weren't there, where we were. I remember a yeah. youth cup game as well. I seem to think was going to be in front of fans and then didn't get played in front of fans. Yeah. So yeah, it was right at that time, we had, wasn't it? We had like a pilot scheme, didn't we, to see how many people could come safely come in. That's right. Yeah. Who it was against? So between so obviously you had that long gap then. What was it like yesterday to to properly get back out there? I know it was a pre-season friendly, and I know it's not quite at, at full level. How how good did that feel? It's amazing, especially after the surgery and everything. When you're being told you're never going to play again, it's kind of like every time you walk on that pitch, it's, you think you, you don't take I don't take it for granted anymore. Yeah, I don't think oh, I'll definitely come back out in next week. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing because I've I've now come to terms with how quickly you can lose that. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's it's just brings a smile to your face. It's very warm. It's very heartwarming when you go out there and people are clapping you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's it brings a smile to my face every time. So obviously we've got a few more preseason games and then that first away game at Wrexham is the 28th of August home against Kings Lynn, that first time where we'll probably see a few more than just for a preseason friendly. Is that one in the in the diary? Is that the one that's gonna sort of be the next big tick in the yeah. box? Yeah that's I think Wrexham away is a a massive game first up and what what an atmosphere that should be. But yeah. that first home game is going to be phenomenal because I know I've seen I've seen firsthand from playing against Yeovil and with everything uh, like you said that the uh, Bournemouth game, um, yeah Bournemouth game, uh, how this community can get around the football club, and if we can get if we can and the boys of football we've we've mentioned it and we say if we can get right where we want to be. Hewish Park will be, and the, the town in general will be absolutely rocking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've seen that on a number of occasions. When when things get going, you sort of, you suddenly find an extra 10, 15% of, of people yeah. turn up at the ground. It kind of, it only takes the, 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 the snowball to start quite small and suddenly the ground starts filling and suddenly there's less space on the terrace and things like that. We've seen that before. Yeah. Are, we, are we going to Wrexham to be a little bit of party poopers? They've obviously got this big, yeah. the chances are the, the Netflix cameras will be there and Imagine yeah. possibly a couple of famous faces will be there. We're going to spoil the party, aren't we? Yeah, it makes it even better, doesn't it? Makes yeah, it exactly. Even better. It'll, um, it'll make for a better story on Netflix anyway yeah. when we spoil the party. We are going, we will not be going anywhere this season without that mindset. I can yeah. assure you that we'll be going everywhere and we will believe that we are we are where we need to be to to, to win the game of football. That's that's do you know what that is as good a place to call this interview a day I think as as any. Um, just I do want to ask you: Do you have anything to say for the Oval fans who are who maybe haven't seen you yet because there's only been pre seasons? <laughs> who are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to this season? Final word for the fans. No, I'm just very grateful for everything from throughout the last year and and especially personally through my injury, all the all the kind messages and and. Um, it'd be nice to actually be able to meet some fans. You know I mean, we had a very lonely <laughs> year last year where, I mean, we didn't even know certain people at the club when we weren't allowed down the other end because of the, the different zones. Oh, the different stuff. zones, the bubbles and all yeah. the rest of it. So it was a very strange time for football and it'd be really nice to meet everyone and hopefully get out and do some, um, and meet some fans properly. And thank you for sticking by us. And I'm sure we're going to have a very good season together, all of us. And, and hopefully it'll be the start of a successful journey together. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy preseason schedule to, to have a chat with us. You have you have become the first current Yeovil player to ever appear 
on the Glover's <laughs> cast. It was meant to be Matt Worthington, but his Wi-Fi's knackered. So he's on the phone to Jurassic Fiber as a new sponsor to try and get his <laughs> Wi-Fi sorted. Otherwise, he was going to beat you last week. But oh. um, yeah, so thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us here on the Glover's cast. We genuinely wish you individually and the team as a whole every, every success this season. I think you've made me a little bit more excited than I already was, if I'm honest with you. So roll on, roll on, Wrexham. I'm going to try and get the day off work and make my way to North Wales, I think. That'll be a good day. and Well, it's going to be a good, good 10 months. So thank you very much for your time, mate. Top man, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure, mate. See you later. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.